Welcome back to another episode of Survivor Worldwide. The crew is back here today to talk about Survivor South Africa Immunity Island episode one and this is the first episode of survivor that we've seen in such a long off season riley how was it for you what did you think of it oh yeah so brilliant to have survivor back on our screen so many exciting characters a really exciting twist with immunity island lots to unpack here um i i can't tell you how glad i am to have survivor back chris i was waiting so long since last year to see this season and now it's finally on air i've been we we got everything we asked for and more i think yeah, 100% agree with you on that. And, um, you know, for me, coming into this season, there was so much anticipation, so much hype. It's probably the most I've ever seen anybody talk about Survivor South Africa, you know. And being a South African myself, I was obviously very proud about that. And I've had people from Canada, people from the UK, people from the US, different people reaching out to me to say, how do we watch this? And, um, guys, if you're listening to this, I've passed that feedback on to Mnet directly as well. And I've said to them, you guys have got to keep expanding into other regions there is a real market out there for people who want to watch this show and they want to support the show they don't want to watch it via illegal ways so if you can get into platforms in the the states if you can get into platforms in the in the Can canadian uh, sector and also in the uk people will follow it so um really really positive hype around it really excited to talk about this season riley and you know we get this episode starting right off the bat with all of the different castaways walking in and they're meeting each other for the first time and um, there's a lot of interesting observations that were made in this section for me one of the interesting observations here is uh, Anesu very early on saying that Sean's someone that takes off his top he wants to be noticed and that he's in shape and he's physically pretty good that was one and then the second one probably that stood out for me was um, uh, the one where Santoni you know um, sort of points out that uh, or was it Santoni I can't remember I think it was Santoni who said that Marisha looks like like the female version of He-Man which I found quite funny because marisha is built like a tank yeah that's right yeah plenty of exciting observations and um amy as well saying that there's lots of things to look out for in the eastern cape snakes spiders and fellow tribe mates so yeah it's certainly exciting to see all these different characters and it's a very diverse group as well um obviously you know a, a lot of a lot of different people from different backgrounds um so to have that and, and to see their first impressions of everyone is really exciting yeah, 100%. Now, Riley, we did say we were going to have a beer to celebrate that Survivor is finally back in our screens. I've got my spades here. Um, I'll do a virtual clink with you, and um, we'll make sure to take our first sip to celebrate Survivor being back on air here. So yeah, very, very happy to talk about it today. Um, one of the really cool things about this episode that I really enjoyed, Riley, is that right from the start, we're going to throw some random elements into uh, the Survivor season by having the tribe be randomly selected on our screens. It's something that I really enjoy. I personally hate it when we see tribes pre-selected and we don't know how they selected these tribes. Was it production that cleverly put these people together? Um, they tried to manipulate things in a certain way before the game even started? Or is it something that's organically going to happen within the season? And in this season, we get that random tribe um, pick that happens. What did you think of that? And, and are you a fan of this or do you prefer for it to be pre-selected coming into the season? Oh, absolutely. I'm a fan of it. I mean, Survivor is about adjusting to different people um, from different walks of life. I mean, if, if production really sets up tribes, um, like what we saw in the previous season, um, where some people knew each other and that created conflict, um, by having a random draw, obviously everyone has an equal chance to you know have a good beginning. You might get a bad draw, like what we saw um, when it came to drawing out the buffs there. 
Um, but ultimately, it makes it more fair on everyone else. Um, just like at the tribe swap, you get a random draw. Um, it, it really is just luck. And I think it's something I'd like to see more in um, in other versions of the show. I understand why production do it, obviously, because they want certain characters interacting with others. But, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's going to have to interact with each other at some point. So to really throw everyone um, in a tribe together and, you know, um, not have too much intervention, I, I really liked it. Yeah, 100%. And um, we get two tribes here. We've got the Zumba tribe and we've got the Vuna tribe. And um, Zumba is going to be green. Vuna is going to be orange. Um, you know, it is kind of funny to see green and orange, especially being in a South African theme season when we've got the, the, the green and gold being our national rugby team. And uh, a lot of our sports teams don the green and gold as well. And I do believe, and um, I, I don't sort of quote me on it but i'm pretty sure zumba and vuna would be also something that is a throwback to the south african themed season that this is to probably some previous south african tribal names or something like that as well it sounded very african to me when i saw those names come up now we early on here we find out um riley that uh paul thinks that he's on the cricket team and um he thinks that the other team there is the rugby team uh what did you think of the breakdown here on these players being into in this, these two different tribes I mean, he, he was really right in that in that sense. You, you get someone like Marisha, who, as Santini described her as being the, the female He-Man, um, and other guys in that tribe, like Rainier and Anella and Sean and Jason, these really big dudes. Um, and obviously, you look at Vuna, who um, have some of the older women who might not be as um, perceived as strong in challenges, um, and some of the smaller guys as well. So I think... Uh, yeah, Paul, Paul certainly was right in his assessment here. It does look like Zamba are going to be the uh, physically dominant tribe in this early stage and that Vuna are really playing catch-up at the moment. Um, it, I really did like that comparison that Paul made there um, with Zamba being the rugby tribe and Vuna being the tennis tribe. It really does create an early rivalry as well. Um, and what we saw was uh, Teresa in particular was very unhappy with her standing in the tribe because she recognised that everyone around her was really strong, really buff, these athletic types, and she might not fit in as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when you look at these two tribes, um, I didn't realize that Paul was as tiny and as short as he is because he looks like he's got quite a bit of muscle to him as well but um he's actually quite tiny and i don't think kieran and tyson are the biggest guys either so uh, a lot of the sort of brunt and the and when it comes to the strength in that tribe is probably going to have to go to someone like a chappies in that tribe um but like we know in survivor riley it doesn't always matter physically if you're the the biggest you know it's kind of funny because australia's got the brains versus brawn theme that's going to come out um in a couple of months from now and in some ways this is almost the brains versus brawn theme even though they didn't um, on purpose go into this season obviously with the random pick to have the tribe selected in that way but um, or David versus Goliath or whatever you want to call it but we know that at the end of the day you know any tribe can actually win when it comes to survivor because there's so many different elements that goes into the game of survivor and it's not just physically dominant you have to be mentally strong um, you have to be someone that's cool under pressure when you're doing challenges and things like that so it's going to be interesting to see how long we get these two tribes sticking together before we see some some swaps and things like that happening in there which again is going to muddy the water um, and it's going to um, make different things happen at that point one of the funny things here for me is we get to hear a little bit about Tyson and Tyson says that, you know, he would rather die than lose at anything in life. So clearly he's going to go very hard in this game. And 
in the whole preseason, I don't think anybody noticed the fact that he had a smiley face with the two dollar signs for eyes on his uh, on his shirt there. And it is quite funny, you know. He said he, he needs to let people know what his priorities is going into the game. It's there to get the money. Yeah, absolutely. And and he does come across as a great guy. I was really impressed by Tyson's um, opening in this episode. He did get a lot of content, um, particularly talking about interactions with other tribe mates, um, which we'll get into later there. But he, he does seem like someone that's uh, certainly exciting. Obviously, in our draft, I picked him toward the end. But um, I, I do view him as someone that, you know, could go deep in the game. All these players look very um, look very exciting to see how they go. Um, I mean, a, a very diverse group. And it does look like, yeah, although Vuna aren't as strong or, or perceived as being as strong as Zamba, um, they certainly could match it with Zamba as well. Yeah, it, it is kind of funny. Um, when I looked at how the tribe sort of um, played out, I felt like a lot of that diversity ended up going to Vuna. <laughs> um, and, and it's kind of it's yeah. kind of not on purpose. It ended up being like a lot more players of color were in Vuna compared to Zamba. And it's interesting to see how those dynamics are going to work cross-tribal when they start getting into different um, things there. But um, we get this early stage of the game, and we also find out here, Riley, that there is going to be a challenge now for them to go and get some supplies and resources for their tribe tribe but we all know as survivor fans that you know there's going to probably be an advantage out there the need is someone that immediately is onto the fact that he's going to have to look out for something extra while he's out there but nico also makes it very clear from the start that there's going to be a, a hidden immunity necklace that someone can get um and dino's got his eyes set on that what did you think of this passage of play and also just before you go into it there was this really funny moment with a uh, pinty absolutely clotheslining Nicole and running her out of the ground there. Um, and it kind of looked like Pinty should have been on the rugby team as well. And Nicole didn't, uh, sorry, Nico didn't even comment on it. I, I, I was shocked yeah. that he didn't say, Nicole's going to the ground, she's down. But no, I mean, yeah, it was great to see, um, you know, everyone obviously running into the woods, picking up all these su supplies. Um, and yeah, ultimately, Dino has about 10 seconds left until the end of the challenge and he decides to go for the immunity necklace. Um, I think it's a pretty dumb move, but you know what? Um, I mean, hey, he, he got it in the end and he managed to deflect that target. Um, and obviously at the end there, um, with a couple of seconds remaining, he he pointed out to Paul where the immunity necklace was. Paul didn't get there in the end, but then that does create um, at least some sort of bond um, across tribes as well. So I, I, think I, I think it was sort of a dumb move to paint that target on yourself this early in the game, but... I feel like it's something that, you know, it only protects him for one tribal council. So I don't think people will perceive it to be as big of a threat as it might be made out to be. Mm. Now, I mean, I didn't completely mark him off for that specific move. Like, I understand what you're saying. You don't unnecessarily want to put a target on your back um, this early in the game and show that you're a gamer. But when you look at those tribes, and let's just bring them back up here again, um, when you look at the guys, who's the guy here that looks the least athletic out of all of them? It is probably going to be a Dino in this group if you looked at Anela, Adenir, Sean, and Jason. So I feel like in that sense, probably he felt like maybe there's going to be a bit of pressure on him if he didn't go for that. That, um, immunity necklace that people might want to vote against him. I don't think it would have been him regardless. I do still think Teriso would have probably been the person that's at the most risk, but you also get that random element of the um, immunity island being thrown into the game, which uh, Nico explains to the tribe here early on. So obviously, knowing there's this random element of immunity island, knowing that there's a definite um, immunity necklace up there for grabs that you can grab prior to going to the tribal council, I do think the, the game move here is to go for it, but um, I think that 
we'll obviously go into Dino's game as we progress because Dino goes back into camp here and uh, he tells his, his campmates immediately, listen, guys, I went for it. There was nothing else left on the course. It was the last thing I could do. So I thought I might as well go for it. So I thought him owning up to it and fessing up about it in camp and sort of uh, selling it in that way, it made sense. But we're going to see that this is going to become a habit with Dino having to go back and apologize to his tribe quite a bit throughout the episode. Yeah, which is certainly a dangerous thing. But I mean, on the opposite spectrum, you had uh, Renier who found that tribe advantage um, early on when, when finding supplies. And Nico really had to pry it out of him to actually reveal it um, because I think he was skeptical to, you know, pull it out and say, yeah, I found this advantage um, because it does show him as a game player early on. But I think by delaying in that, again, it probably paints a little bit of a target on his back. Um, Teresa said in the confessional there that she wasn't as trusting of uh, Renier anymore because he he was reluctant to reveal that advantage but it does obviously work out in uh, Zamba's favour as they get a reward from Cape Union Mart with sleeping bags, uh, mattresses and mosquito nets You know, a, a great start to the game um, lots of comfort there that's obviously going to make their lives a lot easier I think the mosquito net, especially for the guys living out yeah. there, because just knowing how many mosquitoes are out in Africa, um, it, it can be quite an annoyance there if you're sleeping at night and you're getting bitten by those things. Um, we've seen some survivor uh, seasons where people have been able, you know, where they've got all these bug bites and mosquitoes and things on them there. Um, I think that that would have been something that really um, would have helped them there. Because, I mean, uh, the sleeping bag, it's like one sleeping bag. Who gets to use it? Yeah. Do they do shazies on it or like do rock, paper, scissors and say, hey, tonight you you get the sleeping bag tomorrow you get it so i didn't really see the, the the point in that but i think the mosquito net if it's big enough to be used for the whole camp is not bad but overall riley i actually feel like it's a really troll advantage um, because anita has gone out there and has put his neck on the line trying to find this advantage which he thinks is going to be a solo advantage for himself in the game but then it ends up being something for the camp like you said so he's unnecessarily played his hand showing that he's quite observant and Teresa throughout this whole episode is going to be someone um, I feel like she I don't know if there's probably more introverts in that Zumba tribe but I feel like she's probably the most introverted person and the most observant person sitting on the sidelines sort of reading the social dynamics and seeing where people are going and how the alliances shake out so um, a very good read here from her early on in the game I also wanted to mention here just before we go into them going back to camp Chappie's very early on uh, says that you know he's trying to contain himself and that it's very difficult for him because he's you can just see energy is oozing out of him he says he wants to just strip naked and run around immediately which gets a great reaction from some of the girls and especially nico who seemed quite surprised by that and didn't know how to take it um i i don't remember if there's ever been uh somebody running around naked on survivors of africa but i don't feel like it's a very survivors of africa thing to do so it definitely caught a few people off guard it is a very survivor thing to do, though. I mean, obviously, yeah. harking back to Richard Hatch in season one. Um, but yeah, and, and we did say some of that later. It, it is fun to see those sort of antics and people really being themselves on Survivor is um, is something I enjoy. And I mean, if it feels comfortable and, and no one else is uncomfortable with it, then then, then so so be it. Do whatever you want. Um, but yeah, re really exciting um, to see him being himself. And, and he does seem like a very excitable bloke as well, Chappies. I um I came into the season looking at him and thinking he's sort of a, you know, just very focused on on being buff and um and really exerting himself in physical challenges. But he did um, prove to be a very social player as well as we saw early on. 
So Logan is one of our international listeners, and Logan, we're all very happy to have Survivor back on our screens as well, and um, we feel like this first episode definitely delivered. I also wanted to say here that Chappies, um, Riley, you know, he says that welcome to, he's welcoming us to his journey on winning the show. You know, so it's really funny to see this. And I mean, Chappies is going to be all over the place. I'm also playing the Fantasy Survivor Tribe Leagues against uh, a bunch of other players online. And um, I've got Chappies on my team. And I can tell you, he scored a lot of points for me in this first one because of all the confessionals and just being such a, a dominant character throughout the whole episode. Now, we go back from here we go back into the camp section and they need to start building camp and jason immediately here tells everyone that he is a structural engineer and he says that he didn't want to tell people in camp that that is his job because he knew that he would probably get the responsibility of building the camp and he realizes that it's not a good thing to always be a leader and survivor this early on because when you're at a high you can only go down from here um he did go into a little bit more of why he um told people that he was a structural engineer. There was things that wasn't shown on the TV show in regards to why he made that clear. So I won't go on into that on here. We will have the exit interview with Jason available tomorrow. So in about 24 hours, if you come back to listen to that, he will tell you a little bit of behind the scenes of why he needed to make people aware that he's a structural engineer. Um, but, you know, this obviously means that he now becomes the person that's going to have to bolt the shelter here. Hey, Riley. Yeah, absolutely. And and he does take on that responsibility. I don't think it's a bad thing for Jason, though, because he doesn't seem like a very domineering personality, whereas someone like Sean um, certainly came across as being quite dominant. And Renier sort of recognised and really poked at Jason um, for for realising that Jason didn't want to take on the role, but he he took it on. And, you know, while he was trying to lead the tribe, he was also trying to deflect the shield off him as well, um, which I thought was really interesting that people knew that he felt threatened by taking on that leadership role. Um, but I, I think he did sort of assimilate himself well in the tribe um, by revealing that he, that he was a structural engineer. Um, and certainly when it came to building the shelter, it did look a lot better than, uh, than Vuna's shelter there as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, obviously, they don't get to the point where they finish the whole shelter because there was a bit of work that went into it, but at least they were able to go and sleep underneath it and stay dry to a certain degree. But if you look at Vuna, I think they were getting rained on the whole night and they didn't have any cover from the elements in that first night. But you're right, Jason does get an in here because we see very early on here that Jason is talking to Anella, he's talking to Renir, um, Someone like Anella is saying that, listen, uh, Jason and Renir and Anella, they're going to go with Amy, Marisha and Nicole um, in an alliance here early on. And Dino is someone that they see as a tag along that will tag into that alliance, but he's not necessarily core. But Jason is starting this episode at a very powerful and high position where everybody seems to be trusting him. Uh, Teresa brings this up as well when uh, Jason puts his hand up to go and do the, the fire challenge. She says that clearly that means that he's someone that they trust. They wouldn't take someone to go there um, and potentially do this and, and, and then sort of risk the fact that there might be more going on and he's going to come back and not tell them about that. So I feel like he's at a, at a very high here. But the early stages here, how we're seeing these dynamics form and people talking, and I do want to touch on one thing, actually, just as I'm talking through it, is the point where they started doing all these introductions. We only really saw the introduction for Jason being a structural engineer, and then we saw Nicole say that she lives in Stellenbosch and that she's from a horse farm. Now, I can tell you as someone who is from that part of that neck of the woods in Cape Town, South Africa, that that in Stellenbosch, people who have farms around that area, they, they, they're quite well off. Like these are 
pretty rich people. So I feel yeah. like her telling her tribe mates that she's from Stellenbosch and she's from a farm, at some point that could come back to bite her in the butt. Even if she makes the final, people might look at her and say, this is someone that comes from money. She does look like a poppy, like she says, like a Barbie doll, well manicured, looks after herself. That could paint a little bit of a target. But uh, in the early stages here, Nicole is in a, in a in a pretty tight alliance here with Marisha and Amy. And I kind of looked at those three and I thought, could this be almost like we just saw with Champions versus Contenders where they were very tight three girl alliances? That kind of what's starting to brew here with some of the guys coming in and sort of tagging along to that. But those three being the main core three within it, if that makes sense. Yeah, but no, obviously we saw that, um, you know, Kihan and Sean made a massive Survivor faux pas. They started going through all mm. the fruit, all the rice, looking for the secret flint um, or perhaps a hidden immunity idol clue if they could find it. Um, and obviously they, they did it right in front of everyone. I understand that you want to be um, upfront and honest and say you're looking for the secret flint, but it, it really does put a target on on their backs. I mean, you, you don't go snooping around on day one for a um, hidden hidden immunity idol clue, even if you say you're not doing so. Um, so that, that really put a target on their back. And obviously Amy recognized that and she used that as leverage to bring in um, Smash, Jason, Renier, Dino, and then obviously they brought in um, Marisha and Nicole as well, who were a tight twosome there. Um, so it's really setting Kihan and Sean up as the outsiders. Obviously, Teresa hasn't been able to create any bonds at this stage in the game, um, and that that seven really seems uh, very set, at least early on in the game here, um, going into the first fire-making challenge. They, they seem very strong together. Um, I, I did really like Amy's role here. She does seem to be very perceptive and looking at what other people are doing. Um, and she seems like someone that's really trying to set plans in motion and create these alliances. So I thought Amy really was one of the standouts from this early Zamba tribe, I think. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, how wrong was I with Amy and Nicole in my preseason assessment where I said these are going to be two dominating females that are not going to want to work together. But yeah. um, like we like we kind of see in Survivor South Africa Island of Secrets, you also get um, Nicole and Steffi in that season working together and they're two very dominant female characters. So sometimes, you know, if they work together, it can go well, but it's early days. So let's see what happens as they go. But I do feel like from what I saw, um, both Nicole and Amy seemed a lot more relaxed compared to what I thought they were going to be coming in. I yeah. thought they were going to be a bit more domineering. Um, Marisha seems like the very strong personality, female, um, probably leader of that group in some degrees. Um, we probably didn't see much of, of her sort of leading it in the sense of strategy, but I think just in the sheer um, sort of set of presence and who she is being a strong woman, I think she's kind of the one that they will lean on for that wisdom and advice, if that makes sense. And I do think she's the the oldest of the three. Sorry, Marisha, for um, talking about your age here, but um, I feel like they would naturally just gravitate towards her and take some direction there. But you're right, Amy, for me, um, she comes across as the person here that is extremely observant, I feel like she's a snake in the grass. The big question here is, now at the end of this, and I know we're jumping a little bit all over the place, but I'm afraid that I'll forget to ask you this question later on, Riley. At the end of this, you know, Anella kind of makes Sean aware that, you know, the target was on your back the whole time because someone saw you do this, you know, and, and look through the rice and they thought that you were looking for an idol. And um, does it at some point reach sort of Sean's ears that, Amy was the one who put that target on him. And how does that change the game up? Because Sean is at the bottom at this stage. But what I like about this season um, is that we have got tribes of 10 opposed to the smaller tribes like we had, like I think it was six or seven 
yeah. the previous season, I feel like in tribes of 10, a lot of things can change. You know, just because there's a dominant six now, there's a lot of room for movement and things like that. I wouldn't necessarily say Sean is completely out here. Um, there could still be a tribe swap that happens. There's a lot of things that can happen. And, you know, is that going to count against her? I've liked what I've seen so far from her th this episode, and I think she's done everything right. Um, I just, for her sake, hopes hope that Sean doesn't find out because I do think Sean is a, a very um, headstrong player and clearly someone that is going to throw a lot of mud at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, although, uh, and we'll get into this later when we discuss Tribal Council, Sean really seems like a very full-on player. He really um, not so much imploded, but made sure that everyone knew how he felt and that he was on the bottom um, at Tribal Council. He really was scrambling. Um, I'm not sure that after Tribal Council, and, and we'll see in the next episode whether people can actually trust him and whether they want to work with him. Um, obviously, it's only day three at this point, so Early there day. is... No, nothing is set in stone at all. I mean, you could be allies with someone on day one and you know not have anything to do with them for the rest of the game. There's so much more to go um, in the game here. But at this stage, I think Amy's position is pretty safe with Dino, um, Marisha, and Nicole in particular. I think those four are really strong together. Um, and Renier also seems to be quite close with Dino as well. Um, it, I, I, I'm pretty set on this six as being... The, the dominating alliance early on in this game. But again, Immunity Island comes into play. And um, yeah, obviously Tribe Talks as well are always a possibility. So there are plenty of moving parts here. Um, and with Survivor, it's always unpredictable. Um, but I think early on, Sean seems to be on the outs here at um, this Samba Tribe with Kihan as well. Um, but yeah, certainly see how that shakes up. Um, in, in the next couple, couple of episodes will be interesting. Yeah, and just before we move on here to Vuna, because we haven't spoken about them yet, um, Teresa is another person there that you shouldn't forget is kind of on the outside, and she's sort of sitting on the sidelines quite a bit and doesn't look like she's being included in a lot of the conversations. So um, I do think that this tribe is quite volatile because, yeah, I don't want to go into the tribal council thing yet. Let's talk about tribal council when tribal council comes up. Let's move into Vuna at this point. So when you look at Vuna, um, someone that impressed me immensely, and it's someone that you, had very highly rated coming into the season <coughs> excuse me in fact you had him ranked i think it was your second guy pick, second um, pick. as well yeah yep. so kiran for me and we'll talk about who we think played the best game towards the end of this podcast but kiran for me as a contender for pl having played the best game up until this point um he he goes into this um, and uh, he is making alliances with a lot of people. He realizes that he doesn't want to be the center of the tribe. He doesn't want to be the leader. He's happy to move with the group, but he's going to work in the shadows, and he's going to talk to the people that he wants to talk to. Like He grates that connection with Tyson because they both are into football. He talks to um, Anesu uh, because Anesu and him, they kind of know each other from varsity university days. Uh, he's aware that she's a doctor, but he said, you know, I'm not going to push the subject at this point um and he's kind of moving in the shadows and, and making a lot of alliances here i'm liking what i'm seeing from tyson as well um tyson one of the things for me about tyson riley that really surprised me is that you know his deep voice that he's got you know like he's just got this gravitas in his voice i feel like people are going to trust him more than the, what they would trust a normal 21-year-old or 24-year-old. Because one of the fears I had for Tyson coming into this season was that he was the youngest guy coming into this season. And will anybody listen to him? And will he have any pull? But I feel like 
the way he carries himself and the way that he speaks and the gravitas of that voice of his, I feel like people are going to trust him more and they're going to think he's older than he is. He comes across as being 28 or 30 already. Yeah, well, uh, I don't think the other benefit there is that a lot of the cast are quite young as well. Um, it, it's a very young age group, so obviously they're, they're going to interact with each other. And I believe Kieran and um, and Tyson are around the same age there, um, as most of the tribe are. But some, someone that um, really, really impressed me was Inesu. Um, and obviously, yeah. I think she was your first or second female pick. I think maybe even your first female pick. Um, and she really was in all sorts of different alliances, creating strong bonds. Um when I first saw her at the beginning, I didn't realize she would be that level-headed, that calm. Um, and it, it really, that's really what you want in the game of Survivor. You called her Nora, didn't you? Be... You called no, her you, Nora. You were, the, you, you, were the one, you were the one that said Nora, I think. No. Um, but no, she, I, I, think, I think we were comparing her in terms of, um, in terms of that yoga sort of instructor. Um, but certainly to see how, um, what, what I did say in the preseason was that Water and Anesu might clash. Um, but it, it seems as though they they knew each other already and they were um, very much connected and on the same page and not willing to tell everyone what uh, what connection they had. And in fact, um, Anesu said, all right, let's stick with the story that you're a yoga instructor, let's not mention that I am, um, and then that way we'll eliminate any chance of people thinking that we know each other. Well, I'm going to definitely, I'm, I'm hoping someone goes back and roll back the tape, roll back the tape on, on the Anesu um, thing that we talked about, because I'm pretty sure it was either Nora or Debbie Wanner or somebody like that that you called her, but I didn't get that same read from her from the start. I wouldn't have picked her that high if I thought she was going to be like either one of those two. Um, from the start, I said, I feel she gives me a lot of good energy, which again, when someone radiates the type of good energy, it's funny, I sound like a yogi because apparently, you know, orange is the color of creativity and it's all about good energy. Yeah. But, um, you know, when, when it comes to it, I feel like when you feel that energy through the camera and you can just see how she talks and that smile that she has, she's got a bright, calming personality. And I can see why a lot of people are, try are trusting her this early in the season and want to have her in with the alliance because she seems really grounded. Um, it's early days still. The one thing that makes me fearful um, of her position in the game, Riley, is that um, Warada knows that she's a doctor. Uh, Kiran knows that she's a doctor. I feel like that could come back to bite her at some point in the game because we do know that people get um, hurt by people not telling them the full truths in a game such as Survivor. Um, so if at a later stage it comes out that she's a doctor and she didn't tell anyone in day 21 or something like that, that could be the thing that actually tanks her game. So I do feel like um, as hard as it is, honesty sometimes is the best policy um dino does it he maybe does it a little bit too much this episode by going back and constantly having to apologize but i feel like the beginning because what real benefits is there for you as a doctor in the game for me yes okay they say you get paid decently um i guess but people that are doctors can still win the game i don't see why that's not like it's a massively strategic job or something like that you know it's not like they're saying they're a cop you know, like um, we know that uh, cops at, the, at this point have got a pretty good hit rate uh, when it comes to the U.S. survivor, at least. But yeah, like I said, for me, I feel like that could potentially come back to bite her at a later stage. But you're right. There's a lot of different allegiances being formed here. And it's quite interesting because Inesu literally talks to every single person. She even has a conversation with uh, Chappies, which is quite surprising. Um, and let's move into Chappies. Chappies here, he's starting to try and get a fire going. He says that it's a lot easier to get smoke 
than it is to actually get a fire. And he's got Pinty there with him trying to help him. And him and Pinty are seen as connecting early here in the game, going down to the beach, relaxing. Um, Pinty and him talks. And Pinty says, listen, you're someone I would like to work with long-term. And you're someone I get a good energy from. And Chappies as well, he thinks that, you know, Pinty comes across as being very trustworthy. I like this alliance, Riley. I think that for you to do well in Survivor, you need to connect with people that are not like you. And I think Pinty and him, they are very, from what we've seen in the first episode, very different personalities. Um, they could connect with different people within the tribe. Um, I do sadly think, though, that a lot of people are going to pick those two working together because they seem to hang out a lot in camp. But I do think that it could be a very lethal alliance. And I'm hoping that we get to see them go quite deep because for me, the more Pinty and the more Chappies, especially I see on my screen this season, I think the happier I'm going to be. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do find something that, that is really interesting is there are so many different alliances here that when it comes to Tribal Council, I'm not sure how it's going to shake out. Obviously, there's still a long mm. way to go until they go to the next Tribal, um, at least three more days if they lose the next Immunity Challenge. But um, re really, it seems that there's about eight people that are in this alliance, and I think it's only Paul and uh, Santini that, at least from this episode, we didn't see them um, forming any strong alliances. It seems that Anesu and Kieran in particular are the ones that are really in the middle there and almost have alliances with just about everyone here. Um, yeah, Pinty and Chappies are a really interesting combination. Um, another one that we saw was uh, Wada and Kieran as well coming together. Um, so lo lots of different people um, from different backgrounds. And again, this is what I love so much about um, about Survivor. And, and the way this random draw was made is that we see all sorts of different people all coming together um, and seeing how they interact, it, it was really interesting to see. But at this stage on the Vuna tribe, it certainly seems that um, Kieran and Anesu are the dominant forces. Um, and Chappies really seems to be taking on a leadership role here, um, as we saw with him trying to make the fire there early on. Yeah, but it was quite interesting when they when they, they were around camp, when it came to who was going to take the lead and trying to bolt the shelter. I believe Mike Laws was one of the guys that yeah. was giving a lot of input on how to do that, which I was quite surprised um, because I didn't think he was going to be someone that would want to step up to be almost like a dominant leadership type of figure in those camp building stages. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention here as well, as we move on to the next section, is we get to the point where they have to nominate someone in both tribes to go and make a fire. And there's a fire challenge that's going to come up here. And I'm not surprised by the fact that they nominate Chappies because obviously he seems to be someone that's always going to put his hand up for anything. Um, he wants to go balls to the wall, play the game that way. Um, and they go and choose Jason from the other side, which to me, I feel like Jason needed to cool it at this stage because he already took lead in building the shelter, but he kind of put his hand up to say, I've done fire before, you know, I'll go do it. Um, I feel like that probably is a little bit of a, a cross. I don't know how much it ultimately costed. I don't think it is the thing that costed him um, his spot in the game ultimately, but obviously he just kept piling that responsibility on himself here in the early days for this episode. Um, we get Chappies and Jason going there to, to go and do this fire challenge and Chappies plays it up and he says, hey, listen, this is just going to be a nice bonus cherry on the cake, but we've already had a fire since last night. Um, and Jason doesn't want to hear anything about it. And he calls him on his bluff here, which I thought was a, a really great TV moment. What did you think of this challenge? Do you like the fact that we do a fire challenge this early in the season to get fire? Um, do you like this kind of mix up that we're seeing here? And how do you think this is going to affect the game for these two guys now that people know they're good at making fire, especially since we know that that can be an important thing in a game such as Survivor? Well, I think it certainly didn't advantage or disadvantage Jason or Chappies anyway, really. 
um, because what we saw when, when Chappies came back to camp is Tyson was questioning whether there was another layer on top of that. Um, and obviously with Jason, we saw that um, I think people were understanding that he didn't win um, and it didn't paint too much of a target on his back. Um, it was perhaps other things, which we'll discuss later, that um, put that target on his back. But I think um, Jason was really the only one on that Zamba tribe that was going to put his hand up. And I don't think it disadvantages him anyway because he's already the leader. He's already shown um, that he's able to lead the tribe. And I think if you asked anyone who should do the um, who should do the fire making challenge, everyone would have said Jason. So he just has to go along with that. Um, and, and I think that the Zamba tribe, uh, they seem like a cohesive enough unit where if they if Jason didn't succeed, he wouldn't get any backlash really. And he didn't. Um, whereas I feel like if someone like uh, a Teresa or a Kihan or a Sean put their hand up and said, yeah, let me go. I know how to make fire. Um, let me go for it. And then they came back to camp empty-handed. Then people would start asking questions. But I think because Jason was already in the driver's seat there, it um, people were more receptive and understanding of the fact that he um, obviously didn't win that fire-making challenge. And they they respected that he put in his effort and he he did um, he, he did try for the tribe. Whereas when Chappies came back to camp, though, yeah, as I said, Tyson put him back, that back on him and saying, well, Immunity Island is the twist here. What else was up for grabs? Surely it couldn't just be fire. Um, I mean, really, it was just fire. Um, other than this really exciting twist, I thought, the diplomatic immunity twist there, um, which grants the, the holder the opportunity to um, switch tribe whenever they want, really mutiny whenever they want. Um, can I just say, uh, merge, Riley, which is exciting. can I just say, when that happened, I was literally fist pumping, saying, man, I called it. <laughs> In our preseason, we, we spoke about it in the preseason and we said, yep. what would be a great twist for them to bring into the season? And and we and I think I might have mentioned it before and then we sort of explored a little bit around it, but we both said that, you know, having an, a, a mutiny twist of some sort could be quite interesting because it's something that we haven't seen very often in Survivor, but I feel like it's a an underappreciated twist. So the Survivor producers took that and they thought, how can we add to the mutiny twist and make it even more interesting by giving them diplomatic immunity, which basically means that they can pl play that after the immunity challenge has been won by a specific tribe at any stage in the game, pre-merge, and they can jump into the other tribe moving forward. Now, the ultimate case here, Riley, if you were to get the diplomatic immunity is to keep it as long as you can, to wait for a tribe swap to happen. And if you don't land on the numbers on that tribe swap, you then use diplomatic immunity to go back to your alliance on the other side. You know, so that is what I want to, see, want to see. Obviously, we've only got one person left in the game that's got it now, which is Chappies. And I also am happy that Chappies is the person who's got it because I also think that Chappies is one of the people that is the most likely to actually use it because he seems like someone who wants to play big moves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's um, Dino that later on in the game there, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we'll come back after this, that says... He's, he's willing to make big moves. They might not be the right moves, but at least he's making some, and, and he's willing to play a big game. Um, yeah, Chappie is someone that is obviously very well ingratiated in his tribe, and, and I apologise there. I said Tyson put out the um, scepticism. It was actually Mike, I Mike, think, yeah. who, um, who, who, who pushed back on Chappie's there. But I think ultimately it's a zero-sum game um, for Chappie's. I don't think he's really going to be disadvantaged too much by, by Mike questioning whether there are idols out there and whether he actually got an individual advantage from that. Um, yeah, I, I do think it benefits someone like Chappies who can, yeah, play play a lower game. Um, and if the tribe swap shakes out to the point where he finds himself on the bottom and there's, you know, 
loyal tribe members um, like a Pinty or a Nessu. Um, on the other side, he can obviously flip there at any stage. It's something I really like. It adds a lot more dynamics to the season. Um, and again, we'll, we'll touch on Immunity Island later as well. I, I'm really glad that production really made a conscious effort to make sure that you know it, it wasn't just a, um, a a linear season and that there were spikes that could really shake up the game because last season we saw um, really one player run in the game from beginning to end. So to add different um, immunity twists um, with Immunity Island and the diplomatic community, it shakes it up and creates possibilities for you know different things to happen in the game. Yeah, I like anything that puts more power into a player's hand so that you can actually say that person has if that person goes home and they didn't play it correctly, the power was in their hands to change the course of the game at any point, you know? And it's not it's not an overpowering twist, like in the sense where we said about maybe there should be a mutiny where you can choose when a tribe swap happens, which is pretty powerful, but I think it would be a pretty interesting twist. And who knows, maybe they do bring something like that in because they I feel I've got a feeling they're gonna bring in a lot of twists we haven't seen yet if they're coming in with the diplomatic community right off the bat i'm sure there's a few other things on the drawing board there that they want to bring in that we haven't seen yet and i'm definitely here for it um one of the reasons i said will this put a target on their back wasn't so much for me with chappies having a target on his back because he could have gotten something else on the um excursion as well it was more about the fact that we know that in survivor us there's a fire making challenge when it gets to the final four going into the final three and does that put a target on his back um i know that some people may know about it some people may not know about it um survivor south africa has never done it but you know it's just something that if you're a fan of the game it's in the back of your head chappies is someone that can make a fire he's pretty good at it he's proficient maybe he's someone that we should be careful of and the other thing that i found quite funny is that rob bentelli wasn't on this season because he's the fireman he would have loved to go out there and do a fire challenge but he sadly didn't get the opportunity to do it in this season now chappies goes back there to the tribe to the vuna tribe and everybody celebrates like you said very happy that he's won so again his stocks has just risen within that tribe and he goes and celebrates by getting rid of all of his clothes running into the ocean and having a swim and letting the babies fly so um really love that from chappies love the fact that he's a free spirit like i said the more i see of chappies throughout this whole season the happier i'm gonna be he was my number one guy pick do i think he's gonna win this season uh it's gonna be a miracle if he wins this season let's be honest because he is just so out there that his target is massive and um if he wins this season it would be like a tony vlakos um kage Yan level of win do i think he's got the same uh ability as tony i don't think he does but a lot of people um called so I, I remember listening to our app that season when it was playing and none of them thought that Tony was going to win that season. Everybody thought he was too over the top. Um, so you can never say no to anyone, but I would be very surprised if he actually makes a run all the way through in this season and he actually wins it at this point. So he's at an all time high. Um, I'm hoping he makes it long in the game, hopefully the merge, because I do think we're going to see some sparks fly as long as he's there. Now the immunity challenge here is the next thing. And we heard in the preseason, Riley, that uh, production said that they were going to go bigger with all of their challenges moving forward. And the fact that they were doing this in South Africa meant that they had more resources at their disposal. It was easier for them to build and do things like they did it. And by the way, the production quality throughout this whole episode, the camera work, um, the creativity that goes into the idol itself beautiful um uh, tribal uh, tribal idol uh, immunity idol love it the the wooden carved snake with the skull which is the theme and you know the torches itself look beautiful with the skull um and and then the snake on it and then also 
I thought the voting urn is probably the, the best looking voting urn that I've actually seen in any Survivor season. I'll call it, I'll put it out there. Um, the big skull with, again, the snake going through it. I thought it was just beautifully crafted. Um, so clearly some of that local resources coming into play here, Riley, where they can tap into it has helped them put on a really good show. And I felt like in this first um, team immunity challenge, Definitely they did disappoint because this is probably one of the biggest immunity challenges just in the sheer stature of what they built that we've ever seen on any of the Survivors of Africa seasons, right? Yeah, something that shocked me was that Jason really struggled early on in that challenge. Um, mm. oh, I mean, it did involve a lot, obviously running out, down the ramp, swimming to the boys, untying the ropes and then coming back. But when, when Jason was running back, he collapsed to the ground. He was really, really struggling there, which shocked me because going into the season, it looked like it was going to be this Aussie or this Joe type who was really dominant in the challenges, but he struggled there um, early on, which was a little bit disappointing. And that did make Zamba um, lose their lid a little bit. But I, I love that there's so many moving parts in this challenge. Obviously, the relay race running through the water, then coming back, building the rope ladder, um, building two rope ladders rather, and then the puzzle at the end. So there's there's so many moving parts and, I guess, opportunities for people to come back in this challenge if they obviously fall behind um there's plenty of opportunities and it, it, it favored a tribe like funa it really was a neck and neck this whole time perhaps from jason stumbling at the beginning um but yeah but both tribes are really neck and neck almost the whole time really up until that final puzzle yeah, I'm going to call out someone in my draft pick here a little bit for um, losing a lot of the Vuna momentum that they had going into the, the rope ladder climbs as they went up. And it was uh, Santoni. She she really, or Santoni, I believe it's the right way to pronounce it. Santoni really struggled going up there. And I felt like that's kind of what allowed the Zumba tribe to catch up from behind. And the Zumba tribe actually goes into the puzzle with a, a bit of a lead here when they go into the puzzle. And they've got Amy and Teresa, who will be the two people here on the puzzle who needs to put the puzzle together but um anesu and help me out here who was the person who helped anesu on the, uh, the puzzle Carla. Carla. So Nessu and Carla, they absolutely blew it out of the water. But the real big difference for me here, Riley, between the two um, sort of teams when they were building the puzzle, and we see this all the time in Survivor, is that on the Zumba tribe, you had everybody screaming at um, the puzzle builders saying, do this, do that, no, take that out. But on the Vuna tribe, they actually trusted their puzzle builders to do what they needed to do. And I find that um, Sean being one of those people who shouted, instructions from the back at uh, the people building the puzzle and actually confusing Amy and trying to put it together. Um, I don't think that is the strategy here, but we get a big bombshell moment here. You know, Dino, fair enough, forgiving about, forgive him about the fact that he went out there and he got um, the hidden immunity idol or the, the immunity necklace in the beginning of the show, because you can recover from that. And I thought he did pretty well up until this point. Clearly, um, Dino is a really big fan. You know, he's seen the David Gennat you know, sort of giving an idol to someone in, an, in another tribe. He's a fan of David Gennad and Luke Toki and all these guys. He's thinking here, what big move can I have? He's getting greedy. You know, he's already got an immunity necklace going into this first tribal council, which means he's safe, but he doesn't want just that. He, will, he also wants to be sent to the immunity island so that he can get an additional advantage um, for further in the game. And he tries to talk to Paul here. And you know what they say about assumptions, Riley? It's early in the season. Both me and you saw Paul have almost no pull on that uh, Vuna tribe. He's not the guy you want to talk to about doing this. And he's just picking Paul because he's like, oh, I had this quick vibe with Paul. I showed him where to go to go get the, the necklace so I can try and get Paul to help me. I feel like you uh, that's such a slippery slope 
to assume that Paul is the guy in that tribe who's got all the clout and who's the person who's going to be able to pull them to actually get Dino to go to the immunity island. So love you, Dino. I know you're going to be listening to this. Um, you know, you're an awesome guy, but definitely, and I think you'll admit it yourself as well, you overplayed your hand so bad here in the beginning. And even though you're not in my team, I want you to do well and go deep in this game. And I'm hoping that you learn from this experience early on here, because to me, it was just one bad move after another bad move. And Riley, how do you feel about that number one pick at the moment? I mean, Dino was never on the bottom, so he didn't really need to scramble that much. He had this strong seven alliance, so I don't understand why he went to Paul. But I, I did find it quite funny how, um, obviously, Dino got caught red-handed, mouthing to um, Paul there by Sean. Um, and then when Vuna are deliberating on who they send to Immunity Island, everyone is in this huddle. The nine people are in the huddle, and Paul's on the outsides, which, yeah. again, speaks to the alliance. Um, but it also shows that, yeah, he is not in that um, leadership sort of role. It almost seemed like he didn't have any contribution to that at all. Um, probably a better thing for Paul to know that Dino trusts him um, from that two seconds at the opening reward challenge. Um, but for Dino, it's a bad look. And when he comes back to camp, he makes probably an even bigger um, misstep, I think. I don't blame him for it, um, but it certainly doesn't look good on it's him debatable. when he comes back to camp and straight away says that, Sorry, guys, I know you all saw me talking to Paul. Um, and then Sean says to Dino that, um, well, I was the only one that, that saw it. You know, why you didn't have to tell everyone. You could have just kept it to yourself because, you know, no no one else saw it. So who cares? You just painted an even bigger target on your back, which mm. um, I think makes people a little bit distrusting of Dino there. Yeah, I think what, what Dino thought, and I'll go in defense, like I'm 50-50 on that. I see how it's like, firstly, he shouldn't have done what he's done. So he's put himself in a bad spot. Um, but it does remind me of uh, Tony, again, sorry to bring the best player of ever that ever played Survivor up in this conversation more than once. But you know, when Tony ever, whenever he made his moves, he always went back to apologize after he made those moves, you know, in regards to why he did it. Um, I do think that in some ways, Dino going there and saying, listen, um, this is what I did. He takes the power away from Sean to be able to use that against them to try and paint a target on Dino's back. But Dino was never going to go home in this first episode. So probably the right thing would have been not to tell everybody that inside of the camp, but to go and tell his alliance separately, to go talk to Amy, Marisha, um, Nicole, Reniru, whoever else he's got in that tight six or seven, talk to them separately about that move and explain, this is what I tried to do. And I was going to use it as a tribal advantage, like they did in Survivor Island of Secrets, you know, because it seems like in South Africa, a lot of people trust the tribal advantages or the tribal hidden immunity idol. So try and use that spin if you can. But um, it's hard, you know, it all happened that fast. It's, it's playing out live in front of you. I'm sure Dino seemed like he was really panicky for me in these first couple of days in the show and it's uh it's it's interesting because i and again we're seeing it from the outside let's not forget he's inside of the fishbowl he could be thinking everybody's lying to him but it looked like he was in a pretty dominant position and he just tried everything to tank his game from where he was sitting in that dominant position by doing a lot of things that he shouldn't have done or working that little bit too hard here but um Talking about tanking a game here, Riley, you know, someone else who up until this point looked like they were trusted by everyone, they're getting him out to go and do the, the fire challenge, he's building the shelter, he seems to be connecting with a lot of people, um, he goes here and he pulls Anella aside because somewhere in between all of this, he's 
credit the Blade Brothers with Sean, right? And him and Sean, the, like he feels like he'd rather work with the devil he knows than work with um, the people on the other side, which is the girl alliance that is starting to form. And he seems really threatened by Amy, Marisha, and Nicole together here. Now, hear me out here, Riley. I understand that it was the wrong move to change it up because clearly Renid was never going to go for it. And that Renid was the one who really sunk him here and went back to the girls to turn the vote around on him. The one thing, though, that did make sense to me when I when I watched this again was when Jason was talking, he's saying that he's saying to Anila, don't forget that Nicole, Marisha and Amy, they're seeing weakness or vulnerability in Dino currently, and they're going to use that to their advantage, which means they're pulling another. It's probably too early to think about this because, I mean, they're not at the final seven yet, but he's worried here that that's a very strong fall within a seven. And that's why he wanted to cut someone like an Amy, for instance, who was very observant and who pulled a, a target onto Sean. Also listen to the exit interview because he goes into a little bit of why he wanted to work with Sean. And I don't think that it's his logic is completely flawed, but I do feel like he made this move a little bit too early here, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a, a bit of a misstep for Jason there. He really was coming across as a very dominating force. Um, which going into the first tribal council, you don't want that because that, that could put a target on your back. Um, I, and really, I think he recognized um, Sean as being someone that, you know, was obviously on the bottom. He didn't have an alliance. So he was someone that he could work with and trust in the game. Whereas I don't think Jason built that relationship with Amy um, and really wanted to push that back against her um, to perhaps eliminate um, Dino as, as being a bigger threat and sort of lessen his power a little bit. Um, it really did seem like a power struggle, Jason almost. Um, I mean, even though he was the leader of the tribe, he did seem to be, at, at least from my view, a little bit threatened by the others in this tribe. And yeah, he, he goes to, um, I think he goes to Rainier first and suggests, or, or it might be Smash, and say that we, we need to get yeah. Amy out. Um, we need to get Amy out, and Smash is just not buying it at all. He says, well, you know, we, we've already got this alliance. Why would we tamper with it right now? It's only day three. Um, we really need to, you know, just stick strong as a unit and just go with what we said. Don't complicate things. Just, you know, we, we can look at things at the next tribal council, um, which from for, from my perspective, that's a very rational way to be looking at it. Just, you know, yeah. stick with things as they are. Why, why muddy the waters right now? Um, because, you know, it's just going to create complications down the line and it's going to view you as untrustworthy. Um, you obviously want to create trust in these early days and not break it. Um, so for Jason, I think that was a massive misstep there. Um, although he feels like he can trust Smash, I think that Smash ultimately felt more assured in his relationship with uh, with the girls, Dino and Ranier, safety in numbers, as opposed to putting his faith fully in Jason and just diving into bed with him and thinking that that's the best way forward. Yeah, and also let's not forget here, you know, um, Renier sort of talks to it and he says that I can afford unpredictability in my life, just not in the game of Survivor. And him and uh, Jason having this conversation about which way they should go with the vote, it becomes clear to Renier that um, Jason's got his own agenda here and Jason is fighting this fight to try and keep Sean. But the crazy thing is that Sean was never going to be the main target. The girls were targeting Kihan and Kihan wasn't surely that important to Jason. So he was trying to push back here where he should have just given because losing Kian should have been like water off his back. He still keeps Sean on the side and he can still try and work with Sean in the future, um, which is kind of interesting. It does bring us to one of the funniest scenes in this episode though. And it, it had me laughing and I can tell you these gifts all over the place on Twitter at the moment um, on this. And it is the, <laughs> it is that one. 
the the pointing of five times to Jason while Dino, Jason, and um, Renita are talking, and um, he nearly gets caught like two or three times there by Jason looking around while he's doing it. But it is a legendary move. It is really funny, um, and I think those gifts will be out on the internet forever. <laughs> Oh, so great. I mean, coming into the preseason, and I, I do apologize for you, I wasn't as high on you, but I mean, watching him play uh, it, this early on, he seems like such a physical threat, for one. He he seems very yeah. strong in the challenges, um, and he does seem very level-headed. I thought he would be very lambastic, very um, eager to play, and I suppose Dino has perhaps taken that role off him there. Yeah. But Renier does seem very level-headed. He seems involved in a lot of alliances. Um, his alliance with Smash is assured there. Um, I mean, Jason seems to trust him implicitly. Um, and then again, he also has that connection with Dino and the girls as well. So we, he seems to be in a very good standing in the tribe. Um, I So hilarious from Renier there. Such a great move. Um, so entertaining to see. We, we've never seen it before in Survivor. Um, but I, I, I just love how he played it. It was just brilliant to see that, you know, obviously Jason was presenting this plan to Dino. Um, Renier was standing behind Jason and really, you know, pointing at him the whole time. Um, just uh, such a classic moment. Uh, I think that'll go down in history as one of the greatest moments in Survivor South Africa, surely. It's just so hilarious to see um, that, yeah, he, he really was, while while Jason was talking to Dino, saying that, no, Jason can't be trusted, don't trust him at all. Um, such a hilarious move, I thought. Yeah, and, and let's not forget this whole move to get Jason out. I feel like is it an ears move, you know, because the need was the one who decided, Absolutely. no, it's not going this way. I'm putting the plan in motion. And, and he had to use a lot of social capital to get everybody on board with moving um, on Jason and voting him out ultimately at this stage. So um, that that's really good. And I mean, I just wanted to touch on here before we go into the tribal council section. Um, there is also that scene, which was quite heartwarming between uh, Sean and Kihan, where they kind of realized that the vote is probably going to come their way. And Sean says that, you know, it's probably going to be me. If I had an idol, we could probably escape this vote and, and stay for a bit longer. And um, Kian breaks down because she's not ready to go home yet. And my heart goes out for her in that moment because she's a fan. I know that she's someone that has gone to the um, reunion, Survivor reunion shows before. I've seen photos of her with other survivors and things like that. Um, I've seen a photo with her and one of her current castmates, um, which I don't want to go into too much because I don't really see much of a relationship between them, but they kind of know who, who both of them are. They know each other. But in any case, so it was really sad to see to see her sort of being down and out. But Sean here taking the moment to to console her and say to her, don't show any weakness. I really like this unlikely alliance that is formed between Kian and Sean. And I always like the underdog. So for me, I'm quite stubborn like that. I'm wanting Kian and Sean to dig their way out of the bottom here and find a way to stay in the game for a little bit longer. And one of the other things that I didn't know prior to the season is that um, Sean has got a necklace on with like a little uh, pink necklace. I, I can't remember what it exactly says, says on it, but that was um, one of his dogs that passed away just before coming onto the show. It's it's a necklace um, of remembrance that he's brought into the show and um, just showing a different side to Sean. Like, yes, he is this harsh guy. He's a business owner, someone that's used to getting his way. But I do think that we've got to remember as viewers that these people are complex and they're not one dimensional. And I think he's actually a really nice guy. But this whole episode, you know, he's been going at it with his back up against the wall. And he even says this here prior to going into tribal council. He says that I'm going to have to cause chaos. I'm going to have to try and move the target off me. And I don't blame him for it, Riley, because if you think you're going home, you might as well go out with a bang and get some screen time. 
Absolutely. Uh, and one, one thing before we dive into tribal council that we haven't touched on is Immunity Island. Obviously, Teresa, after the oh, challenge, yes. was sent there. Um, and we, we discussed this in the preseason, um, that there will be dilemmas. And I thought this was great with Immunity Island is that Teresa was presented with the option that she could either stay and play or give up and go. If she gives up and goes, um, she goes back to tribal, goes back to camp rather, um, and has an opportunity to um, to integrate with the tribe. But obviously, she has to give up that time on Immunity Island. Whereas stay and play, she gets the opportunity to play a game, um, which could obviously get her an advantage. But then, if she loses, it can also give her a disadvantage. Um, and we see that obviously Teresa takes the option to stay and play here, which I think is the right option. If you're going to be playing, um, if you're going to be playing Survivor Immunity Island, you, you, you got to go all in, I think, um, especially this early on in the game when Teresa doesn't have an alliance in the game yet. Um, and I think people will be understanding um, if she loses her vote there, which ultimately she does. Um, I don't think it's too big of a disadvantage for her, um, at least in the first tribal council where it's going to put her out of the game. No, I think it's 100% the right move. Um, I, I did quite like the shout-out to Winners at War with the bequeath um, part in the game there. I know some yep. people were like, why did they bring that word into Survivor South Africa? And Leroux Bota tw tweeted back at the person who was complaining. There's always got to be one person, right, that's going to complain about something like that. Um, and he said that was a, a, a very subtle shout-out to Winners at War because at the end of the day, he is still a fan of the show. Um, and I, I don't have a, a big problem with that being in there at all. I found it quite interesting that should she walk, she still keeps that immunity idol, but she can't play it on herself. She's got to give it to someone yep. else, which to me, that's a non-option. <laughs> that's an absolute non-option. Like you got to stay, you got to try and get the safety. Like you said, having no vote in that specific tribal council didn't really matter so much. She was uh, Especially the first tribal council where you haven't built those alliances at all. And someone like Teresa yeah. was really the only one without a solid alliance, at least from what we saw. So if she went into tribal council without that immunity necklace, um, while I certainly think it gives her the opportunity to build a bond. Um, and actually, in, in this case, had she given up and went back to camp and, and given that immunity necklace to someone else, I think it would have benefited her because, I mean, the tiger was already on Jason. Um, but I think, yeah, early on in the game, it's too risky, especially when you don't have someone you can trust back at camp, um, not to play that game. And, you know, that immunity necklace gives you at least one vote safe, um, which I think for Teresa was something that she was really thankful for and, and she did say early on that she owed Vuna one um, because they ultimately saved her ass in this game. Yeah, well, it's quite interesting because, you know, and, and it's going to be interesting to see if that actually comes into play later on and if Teresa is going to want to work with Vuna because that's one of the big problems that I'm seeing with the current Zumba tribe is that they're a clearly a divided tribe and that if you're in the majority alliance, they're not even communicating with Sean, they're not communicating with Kian, they're not communicating with Teresa. At some point, you've got to think that one or maybe two of these players are going to make it to a swap. And if you end up on a swap with some of these players, how likely are they going to be to want to work with you if you haven't even communicated to them prior to making that swap? So I feel like there's some danger there where in the Vuna tribe, it does seem like, yes, at some point people are might, like an Anesu, for instance, or a Kiran, they might get caught out for forming so many different alliances, but at least they're talking to everyone. Um, so people feel like they've got an in there. So um, if Anesu or a Chappies or a, or a Kiran, if they end up on a different tribe, they'll probably still be able to work together with different people. Um, where I feel like Zumba, there's going to be some difficulty there um, if a tribe swap happens 
with how divided this tribe is at the moment. And, um, you know, Sean here in the tribal council mentions that it doesn't matter. It didn't matter if um, Teresa didn't end up um, going to Immunity Island that, you know, he would have gone in any case. And um, again, sort of to plug the exit interview here, you know, when I talked to Jason about this, Jason also had a very clear picture of what would have happened if, Teresa didn't uh, didn't go to Immunity Island, and he thought this is how things would have played out. So go and listen to that to find out what he thinks. Um, but ultimately, I think that Teresa, um, you know, she could have been an early target, but now she gets the benefit of surviving the first tribal council. She's not going to be the first person out. But like she said, she's going to be able to sit on the sidelines, even though she's not voting. She can see where people are sitting and where the alliances are and where the voting dynamics are. So it's a very big advantage for her going into the next round when she needs to maneuver and work away into some of these alliances let's let's not forget like nico said you're trusting people at the moment that you've only known for three days and alliances formed on day one at some point they break and at some point you've got to be able to pivot and adapt and go in different directions so uh, it might not be that the dominant alliance right now is going to be the alliance that is actually going to run the game and go all the way through this game um, I think we spoke about Anella also bringing it to Sean's awareness why he was being targeted because Sean throughout yeah. this whole tribal council is very defensive in regards to the fact that, hey, people are coming at me. They're not even talking to me. They're not giving me the benefit of the doubt. Um, one of the strongest cases he made, and I think that it's a valid case, is that you need numbers going into a merge. And by voting me out, you are weakening the tribe, which I did see um, Amy roll her eyes slightly at that answer but it is some truth there's some truth to it like you know sean's got a lot of physicality and on both um, ends. especially now sorry there, there, there's truth on both ends i mean amy obviously oh, yeah, for sure. wants to make sure that her, her alliance is is completely trustworthy you want to build those strong social bonds earlier in the game but then again sean does rightfully point out that uh yes you do want to be winning challenges earlier in the game because ultimately i mean if you keep going back to tribal council um, and voting out the strongest members, then you're ultimately going to, you know, lose more members and eat into that, in, eat into those numbers that you're ultimately thinking you're keeping safe. Um, so I think you do need to be flexible. But someone like Sean, he really came into this tribal council really ready to go, fired up. Uh, he was a one-man show and really just yeah. um, making sure that everyone knew what was going on. And I, I found it bizarre that he was really, he almost seemed willing to go. Um, I'm not sure how he, he wasn't tapped in with the Jason blind side. So he was trying to no. shift the target off of Kihan, but at the same time putting who, the target who? on himself. So I didn't understand what his strategy was there. Yeah, I think I think what he was trying to do, in my opinion, is he was trying to deflect off him by saying things like, it's it's crazy that you guys are going against me. You're not trusting me. Um, you know, you're saying that I've got an idol that you asked to look through my bag, which no one was going to tell him. If he's got an idol, the last thing you want to do is let him know that you're onto him because then he's going to play it. So, you know, it's a little bit of uh, catch-22, isn't it? But at the end of the day, when you look at where Sean was sitting in this game, he was trying to make the case for his physicality being in the tribe helping them to win challenges and if you lose him this early on you lose someone that can contribute a lot to the camp life like you said he does a lot in camp he's physically strong i think that's kind of the case that he made but i agree with you i didn't get who he was trying to deflect the the, the target on because it was always going to be either him or kian in his mind so if he if he defends himself Kian is most likely to take the hit on the side um, if he actually stays. And I do think he actually ends up voting for Kian as well. I'll have to go and recheck that yep, um, to see where his 
Yeah, so he probably tried to deflect it off himself and just try to stay. Because at the end of the day, you're mates with everyone until the day that it's between you and your mate. And then you've got to deflect it to the other person. Um, one of the things that for me is going to be interesting, Riley, going into this next episode is that they do lose Shaw, uh, sorry, Jason here. So Jason being one of the guys that we thought was going to be a challenge person for them in that tribe now, this only leaves um, Dino, Sean, Renir, and Anella there. So I feel like... Um, Sean is becoming more important to this tribe now from a physicality standpoint by losing Jason. And that's why I'm not willing to say, because I've heard the fan reception and I've had people messaging me and I said, I'm not going to give any of my opinions um, prior to doing this podcast and I'll talk to you about it afterwards because I don't want to be influenced. But some people are thinking that Sean is the next person to go. I don't think Sean is next to go in this tribe. Like unless he continues to go at that level of 120% that he was at, um, in this episode, which already in the in the preview for the next episode, it looks like he's toning it back down. I don't think he should be the next person to go. I think that they would keep him around a little bit. And I think Sean is the kind of player, if you keep him long enough in the game, he's shown a willingness to look for idols and do different things. I think he may find a way to squeak in a little bit longer than what people think. Yeah, I think Sean is certainly someone that can be yeah stronger in the game. And he can build that trust with, uh, I think, people like Smash and Ranier who are willing to play a big game um and obviously it's only been three days so we don't know you know th these alliances aren't set at this stage so there are opportunities obviously to shake things up um one thing i want to touch on is renier obviously we mentioned earlier in the episode that he was very perceptive when it came to finding that tribal advantage and um when it came to vote he lifted up the lid of the voting urn and really had a good look to see if there was an idol underneath there so i, I mean obviously renier really playing in the game right now and um, trying to recognize what potential advantages could there be out there. Um, and, I mean, we saw it in Survivor Island of Secrets uh, the last season that there was an idol hidden under the urn. So he was certainly thinking that, you know, maybe there's idols around here. And I think he's certainly playing a very active and, um, and perceptive game at this point. No, 100%. Um, sorry, I was just coughing. They luckily got on mute. But um, so, yeah, so 100%. I think that it's going to be interesting going forward. And the last thing I wanted to touch on here as well, is that Dino, you know, Sean quite rightfully points out the fact that Dino absolutely overplayed it and still people are not looking at him as a target and he's putting an even bigger target here on on, on Dino in this section of the Tribal Council as well. But ultimately, it's going to be a blindside. And Jason will be the person that is going to go home here and he's going to become, sadly, the first person voted out. And listen, if you told me to choose 10 times who I think was going to be the first person evicted in Survivor Immunity Island... I didn't think it was going to be Jason. I understand why he went home. I understand that he overplayed his hand badly um, and that he was seen as too much of a wild card. And if you see the exit interview, you can see he's a, he's a bundle of energy. Um, so I'm sure that was the same thing out there on the, on the island as well. Um, but, you know, really at the end of the day, at a different season, it might have worked. If, they, if he was there with different people, they might have gone with him. Didn't work this season. He didn't read it correctly. He definitely didn't read Renir correctly. I think Renir was, at the end of the day, the person who was his downfall. Um, but let's have a look here at the teams going into this one. And um, Riley, you're someone that um, should be really happy about this because you're going to take an early lead with um, my second guy pick here being eliminated um, in the bracket. And um, it's a good start for you. How are you feeling about your team currently? If you had to choose... Uh, a player in your team that you think performed the best for this specific episode, who would be that person? Um, and if you had to choose someone for the whole episode on both teams, who do you think is that person on your side that you think has played the best game so far? 
Yes, I think certainly in terms of looking at the Vuna tribe, the, the two strongest players there at the moment seem to be Anesu and Kieran. So Kieran for my team is probably the one that's looking the best at this stage. Although even someone like Wadder and Tyson, who I may have picked last on my tribe, mm. I feel like they've, they've done a really good job at ingratiating themselves and creating those strong alliances. Um, but for me, the the best performance in this episode, it has to go to Renier to, I mean, dominating the challenge um, and obviously, you know, uh, create that blind side out of nowhere to have that trust with that strong um, six alliance and really create a blind side out of thin air of one of the strongest players in the game. I think he did a great job. I know I talked very harshly of Renier early on mm -hmm. in the season there um, and, and thought that he might be a little bit of a Jacob Derwin, but he has proved himself to be very level-headed and also willing to make big moves, but he doesn't seem too bombastic as well in doing so. So he's certainly played his hand very well there, I think. And um, yeah, Renier for me at the moment, he is at the top of my power rankings right now. Yeah, and um, if I had to look at uh, my team, I agree with you. If I had to look at both tribes, I think that it's hard to choose a, the best player overall because both tribes are playing a different game at this stage until they merge. Um, I do think Renier needs to be given respect for the move that he pulled off, and he seems to be um, a fan that is extremely capable at this stage, like you've just mentioned, for all the reasons that you've mentioned. I also want to give a shout-out to Amy in that yeah. specific tribe. You know, yeah. Amy had a very good behind-the-scenes game, and I think that Amy is extremely well ingrained within that three-girl uh, power structure there with Nicole and Marisha. I think that um, she's someone that can go quite deep. I'm hoping that Sean doesn't find out that she was the one who outed him, because if that happens, then she is going to be in danger, I think, in the next episode. Um, it's quite funny now that I look at it. Quite a few of those tribe members are here in my team together. Um, I also think that Anesu, I feel like my read on her early season was right. I feel justified for having picked her this high. Um, I know there were some questions about why I picked her this high. I think that she's got good energy. I think that she's going to be extremely strategic. The one fear I have for her is that that people start using the whole doctor thing against her, but I don't think it's going to be a short-term thing. I think that could be something that becomes issue after merge when it's a later game so it'll be interesting to see how if she can ride the wave of having so many different people and i also want to like give a shout out to someone that you know we left him quite late here similar to tyson let's give a shout out to smash smash you had a really good first episode if you're listening to this um we thought you might be like a felix type of character and i can see i've completely misjudged you um you seem to be someone that is extremely socially aware and you adapt to the people around you. And um, everybody, all the girls trusted him. Like he was the one person that they kept saying, we trust Smash. Smash is the person we're going to work with. So he's doing a, a really good job so far. But if I had to choose one player currently, um, you'd have to give it to Renier because Renier was the one who kind of dominated the strategy this episode with getting um, the, the ultimate person, Jason, voted out. Um, and also so many players that are impressing me, like Kiran, you're doing a good job, um, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like we've got a season full of gamers here, um, Riley, and I feel like that's why someone like Jason went as early, because if there was less gamers this season, he might have been able to pull off what he tried to pull off, but there's too many people that are smart and are playing at a different level coming into the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I do just, just want to say that Dino, my first pick, I'm still riding on him as the winner pick, but um, yeah, as he said in the episode, <laughs> he, he had more moves than a drunk boy in a club, drunk white boy in a club, um, but ultimately they were pretty bad moves there, so a little bit of a misstep, but I, I feel like his position in the tribe with people like Amy um, is assured at the moment. And I, I think, yeah, a Amy is certainly one of the strongest females on the board here right now. She really does seem to have the trust of um, Nicole and Marisha. 
Um, but certainly, I, I don't think there's any obvious target on either tribe um, going into the next episode. It's still very early in the game. Um, so to see how yeah. people adjust um, will be really interesting. I think uh, Santini, probably just because we haven't seen her form in too many alliances on the Vuna tribe, is someone that I see um, as being a potential early target there. Um, and obviously, as we mentioned, Sean and Kihan not integrating themselves on the Zamba tribe as well. But ultimately, it's so early in the game. Um, and as we mentioned before, Immunity Island is in play. There's so many different twists here that could affect um, affect the way the game plays out. Um, so yeah, next week, I'm really excited to get back into it. I'm so glad, Chris, that Survivor is back. And yeah, everything was exceeded in terms of my expectations with Immunity Island here. The twist is so good. The production quality as well is fantastic. Um, I thought one one thing I took away from the episode, um, particularly in Tribal Council, was all the different um, camera angles as well. It really felt mm. like you were a part of the Tribal Council, which I thought was really great and something we haven't seen before. Um, but I, I'm really glad that uh, LaRue Bota and the production team on Survivor South Africa are taking the opportunity to create different twists, which is something that I really like. Um, and it does seem like a very dynamic game. And the cast here is so much fun. So... Yeah, can't wait for next week, Chris. Yeah, and and they're taking the chance to create new and creative twists without it being overpowering to the sense of it's going to change the complete game. It's not game-changing twists. It's just enough for people that are at the bottom to scramble back to the top and keep the game interesting, which is what I enjoy. There's a fine balance that you have to walk when you bring these twists into the game. I also just wanted to touch on you being so confident on Dino. Um, I think it's early to call a winner this early on, um, but I'm going to put it out there. I've got a feeling that there could be a female winner this season. I just have this feeling that there, a lot of the guys are going to play out in the front and some of the females that are playing in the back end, I feel like it's it's time to see a female winner in Survivor South Africa. I think there's a couple of really, I was very impressed by um, you know the likes of Nicole, Anesu, Amy, Marisha, Pinty even um, seemed like she's quite capable. Uh, Carla, as well. who we didn't see much. Yeah, so, I mean, and Warda. Like, I mean, it's almost all the females there that I've just mentioned. There's so many really strong female characters that I do think that we could see a female win this season. Um, now, guys, if you've gotten up until this point of the show, we thank you for watching. Um, it's been great having you here. We will be back next week to talk about episode two, and we will be joined by a Survivors of Africa season six alumni to do the recap as well. So stay Stay tuned to find out who that person is going to be who will be joining us to talk about Survivor South Africa in episode two. But we're both very excited about that. Um, and I do think this person might know a few of these people a little bit. So they might give us some tidbits and some insights onto how these people would potentially play a game such as this. Now, tomorrow, we've also got the exit interview that we'll be dropping with Jason. I had so much fun, Riley, talking to Jason. He's got so much energy. He is extremely positive. He took a lot of positivity away from playing the game. And even though he was voted out first, um, it hasn't crushed the soul, which I'm glad to see because I do think as a fan of the show, it can sometimes be really soul crushing when you go out there and finally get to play the game. And then you don't make it as far as you, as you want to. But ultimately, I think the one thing I've learned from this, watching so many fans go out there and play it, at the end of the day, only one person wins and someone has to be the first person to vote it out. And sadly, this season it was Jason. Um, Riley, what have you got going on on your channel over on YouTube on Snuffed? Yeah, we're continuing our journey of the winners of the US Survivor. Um, obviously, next week we'll be up to Earl Cole, the winner of Survivor Fiji, also discussing um, plenty of other general discussion. Um, I'll also have a casting video coming up, recasting Survivor Micronesia as All-Stars 2. Um, so plenty of content over there on Snuffed on YouTube. 
Yep. And if you like this content over here on Reality Pop, guys, be please be sure to subscribe, hit the notification bell. Um, also, I've got on our description Riley's YouTube channel and also um, my Instagram and Twitter. I'm probably the most active on Twitter. I'm trying to get to know how Twitter works at this stage, but I'll be tweeting out whenever we go live so you guys know that the show is going to be live, going live. But normally we'll try and keep it around the same time unless we've got guests from South Africa because this is like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning their time. We might have to switch it up for those specific instances. Um, but we'll be back next week to talk about the greatest show on television. And um, until then, goodbye and thanks for watching.